Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Nicely done. Fellas and one lady. Nicely done. Hey, we just want you to know, too, um, uh, you know, we know the numbers are going up for, uh, for the COVID um, situation that we're in. And um, I just want you to know that our volunteers and our staff are staying on top of it. Um, as far as we're staying informed, and um, and whenever one of us thinks we may have perhaps uh, been in contact with somebody that might uh, have COVID, or we have any symptoms that might cause us to go, uh-oh, uh, we, we punt, right? We work around it, we stay home, we go home, we just want to make sure that, that to our, as far as we're being responsible, that everybody is as safe as possible. Um, and we are grateful that so many folks um, went in doubt, watched the stream. So um, there you go. We had a few folks need to, to back out today, um, and they aren't showing symptoms, but they had a family member that was in a couple few instances. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I really appreciate, now they're gone, but our worship team and our tech team back here and, and everybody that, that really jumps in and... and uh, um, <laughs> covers what needs to happen for our fun little family. Benny, if you can hit the recording, we'll see if I do any better the second service. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we'll pray first this time. How's that for a starter? All right, we'll do that. Uh, Father, thank you. You are good. That we can run to you, that our, our hope is not in any other thing, um, but our hope is found in you, Jesus. Will you help us this morning to fix our eyes and hearts on you? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, as we mentioned earlier in the service during our Advent candle and reading, uh, it is this Advent season, these four Sundays where we have a different theme. And again, we mentioned um, that this week's Advent theme is hope. And uh, for at least the recording purposes, uh, Advent, if, if you're new to this, are the uh, Advent's the four Sundays that precede Christmas uh, and it gives us time to prepare our hearts for Christmas, the birth of Christ, so that we don't just show up at Christmas and go, oh no, I missed it. Uh, and these themes really help us to more fully enter into the season. And this week's theme again is hope. But hope is sort of hard to come by in a COVID world, is it not? <laughs> Anybody um, remember uh, when this whole thing started nine years ago? I mean, nine months ago. Um, feels like it, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we heard the whole thing, hey, you know, now listen, optimism and hope are two different things. I'm just going to acknowledge that right up front. And maybe I'm just in denial, which is a part of it. Um, but did anybody like me think, uh, you know, oh, hey, you know what, maybe a month or six weeks or two, we'll be, we'll be, yeah, well, all right, we'll get past, right? A few of us, thank you, that I'm not alone in my <laughs> naivete. <laughs> um, or or here, was, here was a good one. The next glimmer of hope was... Um, um, the summer heat. It's going to kill it, right? Finally, our Arizona summer is good for something. You remember that? Anybody, anybody, I mean, I hoped. I started to doubt it, but I hoped, right? Um, uh, and then, you know, through the summer, people started finally going, huh, it might not be a bad idea to wear masks. And, uh, 
and do some distancing and take some precautions. And wow, look at that. The numbers went down. Um, and people kept quoting the CDC like, oh, but they said masks, you know, didn't help. Well, they then said, oh, sorry, we were wrong, right? Everybody keeps going back to that statement in March that they quickly went, oh, wait, there's research, huh? Uh, but the numbers went down. Um, so we're like, hey, okay. Kids start going back to school. You know, some of our schools cautiously, some online, some a mix. You know, all of that stuff. Um, and then, right, here we go again. This what it, does anybody else feel like last week? Oh, here we go again. Or in the last couple of weeks, here we go again. Um, you know, all these little things. I mean, holy smokes. Uh, everybody's stretched like crazy, but especially parents and teachers. Like, holy smokes, I just, my heart goes out to them. Um, how many of your Thanksgiving plans were much different this year because of COVID than they might have normally been? Was, that was true for us. Anybody else here? Mike and Laura don't believe in Thanksgiving, so they just did what they normally do, so. <laughs> just playing. Uh, yeah, so um, ours was, yeah, ours was way different. We uh, were hoping to be able to see our, our grandsons who are, what do we got, a year? How old is Elliot now? He's two and a half, yeah. So we, uh, we're hoping to get a little time. We don't get much time with them at all, but it just ended up not being the safest thing, and so we always defer to our kids and what their comfort level is. We never want to pressure them. Um, but it was rough, you know? It was rough, and I know it was rough for a lot of people. There were some people that just said, ah, skip it. Talked to a guy today who was like, yeah, I just made some beef stew, and my daughter and I hung out, and uh, it was a very different Thanksgiving. And again, um, it's just different, right? Um, but even though we are tired of the uncertainty and the way things just are changing almost day by day, we still, at least at some point, allow ourselves to hope a little bit, don't we? Right? Some of us are just going to shut it off and be like, nope, no, I'm not going to think about it. Don't talk to me until it's like everything's in the clear, right? That's one way to live. I couldn't do that even though I feel like doing that sometimes because I've got to have a little bit of hope because um, even if my hopes are this way, even if my hopes are, whew, I hope I don't get sick. I hope the people in our church don't get sick. I hope all of our friends and family stay safe. Uh, some of us might hope, hey, maybe the new administration uh, will help us get back to normal sooner. Others will hope that, that when the vaccine comes out, it'll come out quickly and safely, that it will work. Others of us hope we get to see the grandkids soon, right? Some of us hope that um, we don't lose our jobs. Some of us hope that we don't have to lay off somebody that we're working with. Um, some of us are hoping that we can pay the mortgage. Because um, we all have hopes. And we human beings are hopers, are we not? We put our hopes in different things, and that's what I want to talk about today. We put our hopes in different things. Um, but Hope is a good thing, really, even in general. Like, hope is why people get married. Hope is why people have kids. Hope is why people buy ab machines. I don't have that much hope, so I have not yet. Um, hope is why people have makeovers, and they pay for them, and they read self-help books. And hope is why people go to counselors, and that's a good thing. Hope is why people play the stock market. Um, hope is why some single people will dare to go on a blind date, right? Do that out of hope that it might work out. Um, hope is why Christmas morning and little kids is chaos and fun because of all the hopes. Um, 
Hope is why many of us turn to and read our Bibles, because we need hope. Hope is why we are here morning. It's not just this morning. It's not just the name of our church. It is something that we can tap into, begin to open ourselves to, because we have hopes. We all have hopes. But the question this morning is this. What are you putting your hopes in? What are you putting your ultimate hopes in? Because, friends, we all put our hopes in something And what we have to do is choose carefully what we put our hopes in, right? Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody relate to that one? (laughs) See, because the human spirit can survive just about anything, but it cannot survive the loss of hope. I read uh, a while back about one of the experiments that the Nazis did with victims in a concentration camp, one of the experiments they did was to assign people meaningless work. What they would do is they would have them shift piles of dirt from one place to another and then from that place to another and that place to another and another until it was finally apparent to those shifting the piles of dirt, the prisoners, that there was no purpose behind it. And one of the things they found was that people actually would die at a faster rate than if they were just being in the camps to kill them off. Uh, They'd die faster because people died when there was a loss of hope and when there was a sense of meaninglessness. They died faster. Loss of hope, sense of meaninglessness, which we have hints of sometimes here, don't we? Loss of hope, a sense of meaninglessness. Because as the proverb again says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Which begs the question for you and I, what story are you putting your ultimate hope in? Your ultimate hope. See, we have little hopes, right? But I like to think of there also then being the ultimate hope, the overriding hope. Because it's wonderful and good for us to hope for COVID to end soon, and the vaccine to work, and for our country to begin to work together. It's wonderful and awesome to hope that we get to see our family and loved ones, that we don't get sick. Those are wonderful and good things to hope for, but they cannot be our ultimate hopes, or they will let us down. They will only disappoint. And sometimes we buy into a system where hope looks very promising, right? This political party or this candidate or whoever will lead us, right? They're going to they're gonna lead us. They're going to take their kingdom and invite us all along and the world's going to be wonderful and great and there's all these strategies that promise to give us hope. And whether it's the systems our country buys into or a political system that uh, another place buys into, whether it's a economic system by which we think will work best, whether it's even the jobs that we have that will help us to find prosperity, um, whatever story we devote our attention and life to, in the end, these things, even if they look promising, um, they are really, truly just shifting dirt from one mound to another, to another, and another. It's just moving stuff around. It's really meaninglessness. Which is why when some people climb to the top of the ladder and they step on everyone beneath them and they get to the top, 
where they have achieved what they thought they would achieve and have what they thought they would have, they then realize at the top of that ladder that they have leaned their ladder up against the wrong wall. They've leaned their ladder up against something they can't deliver. Um, Now, what's this have to do with Christmas? Well, it takes us back to the time of the birth of Christ. Uh, And you can read evidence of this in the Old Testament, especially with the prophets, where they had put their hopes in what they imagined would happen when the Messiah would come. When the Messiah would come, they had a picture. And you can see uh, the words of the prophets um, just declaring this um, vision of what it would happen. What They finally would be away from the oppressors. They would be on top again, right? And during the time of the birth of Christ, this is the, this is the picture that they were expecting, right? Here's their hope. Their hope is in this. Um, God's going to deliver us, which he was, but they had a particular way they looked at it. And so um, they were looking for God to do a big thing, really big, really huge, right? Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 and 2. Here's one of the writings of the prophets. Oh God, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Picture this. Rend the heavens, you would come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. Verse 2. And as when fire sets twigs ablaze. Picture that. And causes water to boil. God, come down and make your name known to your enemies. Cause the nations to quake before you. Right? They said, come down, God, in power, something big, wipe it out. All the oppressors get pushed away, something, someone, something big. It's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. And so this story, Advent, has a lot to do with what the people of Israel were expecting, what they were hoping in, what they were waiting for. What they were hoping in and waiting for was, yes, that the Messiah would come, but they thought the Messiah was going to come as a conquering king riding on a mighty stallion to slay the enemies and oppressors of their country and make them great again and put them in charge again. That was their hope. But God had something very different in mind, didn't he? Which is part of why people sometimes wonder, I mean, come on, when Jesus was here, how could they not see it? Like, he was the Messiah. How did they miss it? How did, how did many of them just go, nah, not him, and pass on him? Well, it's because what they expected was very different than how God showed up. When the hope of the earth, Jesus, shows up, they miss him. They just missed him because they were looking for something different. Not paying attention even, really. Which causes me for a moment to think, you know, how do we miss Jesus at Christmas? How do we have him right in front of us, right with us, but we're looking for something really big? He's going to show up, but, but, but we're looking for something really big. Sometimes I think we need to just even pay attention to how Jesus might want to show up around us, especially those who are followers of Jesus. How might he want to show up around us that we might miss because we're looking for something really big? Like, what about your neighbors? How might Jesus show up through you or between you and your friends or neighbors or coworkers where they're really open right now? But we're kind of looking for the big thing, right? We're hoping in something else. So we just kind of miss it when there's this opportunity right now, right? People are really open at Christmas to what God might do or to consider the story of Jesus. People are way more open about this. Um, People are looking for it. They are longing for it. Heidi was at a a store yesterday. She stopped by to look at some Christmas decorations. 
Because you can never have too many Christmas decorations, right? Did I say that like a good husband today? Okay, just checking. Um, anyway, she went in, she told me that, that there was this young couple in their 30s, and they had little three-year-old in their stroller, and they were walking through the ornaments and Christmas decorating section for her home, and, and Heidi was, was overhearing this. And the husband was trailing behind the wife, and he said something like, well, I just want Jesus, Jesus, I just want Jesus represented somewhere in our house. <laughs> Which, right, that's the point, right? That's the point of Christmas, and people are open, and we don't know if they were believers or not. But, but many people who are not Christians or wouldn't call themselves Christians, they love the Christmas story. They're wide open. And we can be looking for opportunities to intersect with them. Again, it's trickier with COVID, isn't it? We have to really pray for some, like, supernatural divine encounters or communications or ways to talk. But if we open ourselves, I believe God will enter in if we're just paying attention instead of looking for the big thing where they're going to come over to our house and pray the prayer and all that stuff. Just look for some openings because people are really open at Christmas. I mean, Heidi's family, she's a great example. She didn't become a follower of Jesus, my wife, until she was in her 30s. So just a couple of years, right? (laughs) Um, Maybe a little We're grandparents, right? We can admit that we're not 30s anymore. Okay. Um, But even though in her early years, her family weren't, they weren't followers of Jesus, um, but they, she said her family loved the Christmas story. Loved it. Loved Christmas Eve. Loved hearing the story of the baby Jesus. She loved it. They loved it. But it was a long time before she got seriously interested in where the rest of the story was going. Not just the baby born in a manger, not the cute little story. And I think that's true for a lot of folks. And if we just keep our eyes open, we might notice that somebody is open. And maybe you could remember your own story before you came to Christ. Maybe there was a time in your life where, yeah, you were interested in that Christmas story. And then eventually, you went from wondering about it because you were curious about the Christmas story. But then the whole story of Jesus became very real to you. And then it became alive to you. And then it changed your life. See, that's what the story of Jesus does. We enter in or we even offer it to someone else, and it offers, it brings real, ultimate hope. We experience the hope that Jesus offers, and it may just start in the cute little Christmas story. Just might start right there. Now, I'm not a Scrooge, right? Not by any stretch. Uh, Enjoy. The Christmas stories and the Christmas cheer and the Christmas carols and the Christmas trees and the Christmas presents and the Christmas parties and the Christmas vacation. Enter in, enjoy it all. There's nothing wrong with that, but let's remember the point of it and enter into the full story of Jesus and invite others as well. Because if we're just paying attention, he might open up an opportunity for you to be a bringer of hope to someone else's story who needs it, who just needs to know a little bit about Jesus. It might involve you planning and praying right now, going forward, thinking about Christmas Eve services, or if you're not gonna be around for that, another thing, and just invite someone to come with you. That's an easy way. That's just an easy way to pay attention and to invite people. Hey, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna do this Christmas Eve thing and we're gonna have masks and be socially distanced and all this stuff. It's, it's safe, it's uh, safe as we can be. Come, come on along, come along and hear the story. Um, so just paying attention, being open to the story. And remember, friends, 
Like, this is a life and death thing for you and for me and for the rest of the world. And I'm not talking about life and death as in, you know, the power of hell if somebody does. I'm not talking about that as much as what I mean is that Jesus can bring life to our dead places. There are people that are imprisoned in so much pain and sin and hopelessness that he wants to set Free. He wants to set them free. Like it is life and death and it always has been. If we read the original Christmas story and we remember the context of that story, there was a drama that was going on. The reality of the original Christmas story was more dramatic, more uh, terrifying, (laughs) more caught up in danger than any kind of story that you and I are a part of. And when we see the Christmas story, not just as little baby Jesus born in a manger, isn't that cute? Which I love that story. Like, we've got the manger back here. I love manger scenes. It's wonderful. But that's not the whole story. Like, our world was imprisoned from the time of Adam and Eve's sin, where they gave away the keys to this planet, to the enemy, gave him the authority over our world. We had been gripped in darkness. That's what the advent was waiting for, the arrival of Christ to set us free. Scripture says it was the whole world that was under the control of the evil one. I mean, the whole world, under the control, it says in 1 John 5. That's pretty dramatic. So this is a bigger story than a cute little manger scene. See, the Advent story is the make-or-break episode in the entire story of history. The entire story of history. There were things that needed to happen in the coming of Jesus that if they didn't happen, the entire story would have fallen apart. Because the story of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, was kind of this plot twist. Nobody else expected it. The angels that announced it had to be going, really? (laughs) Really? Obviously, the enemy wasn't expecting it. It was a plot twist. And it changed the direction of the whole story where our whole planet had been under the control of the evil one. We'd given the evil one authority. But Jesus comes as a rescue mission. And now the story is about redemption and rescue. Now the story is about making all things new. Now the story is about faithfulness and love. Now the story is not about me. It's not about you. It is about following Jesus and trusting him with our lives and our stories and our desires because he came, quite literally, to rescue the whole human race, including you, including me, which is a pretty big story. Pretty big story. And it's a story of hope. And there are unlikely heroes that were the bringers of hope in the Christmas story and all the stories of the Old Testament leading up to it. Unlikely heroes. Like you and I, we have stories that we love, right? Characters in stories that we love or movies or books. These epic stories have these same themes that run through them, right? There's, there's unlikely heroes like, like Luke Skywalker facing the evil empire. How's that going to work? Right? There's Frodo. A hobbit. There's Bilbo, his uncle, in the Lord of the Rings. What? Little hobbits? What? Unlikely heroes. We love those stories because they remind us of something true about the larger story. So characters like Luke Skywalker or Frodo and Bilbo and so many others, but how about a young girl, heroes like a young girl named Mary? What? How How unlikely 
How unlikely and insignificant can you get? Mary was the most common name probably right there. And here she is, Mary caught up suddenly in an epic story, a 15, 14-year-old girl standing up against the Roman Empire. (laughs) What kind of story is this? That doesn't just sound hopeful. That sounds ludicrous. See, she and all these other characters in the Old Testament were these ordinary, unremarkable, unlikely heroes from unlikely places. But all of them and all of that is a part of the whole story, the larger story from beginning to end, a story of hope. And all of this unlikely heroes part is is a critical piece of the Advent Christmas story where where this teenage girl from a backwater, insignificant town of Nazareth was entrusted with the golden ring, as it were. She's given the secret weapon that will save the day, that will vanquish the darkness, that will restore the hope of all humankind. And it just sounds ludicrous, seriously. What? Mary, a main character, a a hero? Well, friends, that's how God has always done it, hasn't he? He's always done it that way. Characters all through scripture and into our lifetime as well. Characters and insignificant, unlikely heroes. Like you and like me. See, we know their names from Bible stories, but Abraham, Moses, David, Gideon, Samson... Ruth, Naomi, Esther, Mary, all these unlikely heroes. See, see, friends, God does really significant things through really insignificant-looking people, through ordinary people, through unremarkable people. But those are the characters, the very characters through whom God brings hope into the story. He brings hope through these unlikely heroes, unlikely characters. And I think a lot of times the reason people didn't notice it when it was happening is they were looking for something really big to show up, right? Really big, really powerful, really impressive, bright and flashy. Something amazing and really, really uh, significant. So that when the greatest king Israel has ever had, King David, actually showed up as a boy, they were looking around, Where, who, what? Oh, he's right here? This, you mean this kid? This shepherd? What? Because they were looking for something big. And he, to them, was not. But he was right in front of them. This reminds me sometimes, I think, of how I keep looking out there, right, for stuff in the future to, to be the hope. I put my hopes in the future. I put my hope in some outcome. And when I put my hope in some outcome, I put my hope in the wrong things. I wonder when I'm putting my hope in, oh, when the numbers go down, like lots of us pastors, right? We're like, okay, when, when this COVID thing goes away, whoo, boy, we got plans. We're going to, now we're going to really reach people. And, and uh, I hope we do. I do. And I get, honestly, I get depressed and really anxious and discouraged sometimes. Um, just being honest with you, I love our church family. But it is, uh, it's, it's tough. It's not easy. And neither is your life, so I hesitate to even say that. Um, when, when I heard a, a speaker who's not a pastor, but he was talking to a group of people, and he, he said, um, 
Yeah, being a pastor is the hardest job in the world right now. At first, I was like, oh, pfft. There's a lot of harder jobs, and I think there probably are. But part of it is I couldn't even let in the idea that this is as hard as it feels, right? Because I don't want to, because we just don't know, right? We just don't know because we're putting our hopes in and everything gets back to normal. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. No wonder so many of us are sick, whether we're pastors or parents or teachers or whatever job you have or whatever place you're being impacted. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Because we're looking for that big thing out there. What if, what if though, in the meantime, in the story, right here, right now, God is up to something. And if we, if I don't slow down and allow him to be my hope, I can blow right past it and I'll miss it just like they missed Jesus who was this gift. He was the hope of all the earth and they missed him. And I think we do that. I do that so, so often. See, because God uses really small, seemingly insignificant things like a baby born in a barn. (laughs) Not a bomb, blow everybody up, not to come down and rain fire on everyone, but a baby. That's what he used. Not a bazooka to just blow through the enemies and wipe them out and cause them terror and fear. No, not in the kingdom of God. He used a baby. God didn't come with this power over kingdom of politics and rulers where we win and get our way because we're in charge and our team's doing the politics. That's not what he does not how he's ever done it. And when we try to do that way, it really messes things up. We can read a little history sometimes. It really does. He doesn't work through those kingdoms. He works through a baby. He uses love, kindness. And friends, that's why his kingdom looks so upside down. So upside down. And he keeps pointing us back. Trust me when I teach you the way to live, to live in my kingdom, which is upside down to what your world tells you to do, to grab control, grab power. But friends, it's upside down. And in this Advent story, the beautiful hope of this whole thing is that that God himself comes. He doesn't leave it to somebody else. He doesn't leave it to another character. He uses insignificant characters, unlikely heroes, but in the story he eventually comes, he puts himself in the story as a baby. It is him, it is God himself who is unremarkable, small, ordinary. Which again, if God himself comes that way, how many times do I miss what he's up to because I'm looking for the big thing or putting my hopes in the big outcome? I want Jesus to show me how to live in hope in him through looking at life and looking and noticing, slowing down enough this Christmas season to notice where he's at work so I don't miss it. So I don't keep looking for the big thing and miss what he's doing right here, right here with us, right here in our own church and family. And I wonder if we start looking instead of for the big thing and we start to nurture and notice the little thing, um, if we might see the kingdom of God come in more powerful ways. Just noticing the little things.
noticing where he's at work, what he's speaking. See, that's how God did things back then. That's how he brought his kingdom. And again, as we've talked about all summer, this is the upside-down kingdom of God. It's very backwards to how we would prefer things to be done. But he didn't just do it back then that way. He continues to do it still today that way. Friends, I don't know what you're hoping for in your life. And we need these smaller hopes, right? We need to have the smaller hopes. Maybe you're hoping for wonderful things like to get to see the grandkids. That's a good thing. Maybe you're hoping that you don't lose your job and that you stay healthy. Maybe you're hoping for healing for someone who is sick. Maybe you're hoping for a relationship to be mended or a new relationship to begin. Maybe, you're, maybe there's, friends, there are so many worthy things to hope for. But we have to distinguish between the little hopes we have that when they don't come true and we allow ourselves to get sucked down the drain because those hopes are getting deferred, we have to distinguish between those lesser hopes, not to diminish them or pretend that they don't exist. That's nonsense, right? We need to hope. But we have to have an ultimate overriding hope over all of it. And that ultimate overriding hope over all of these hopes is to stake our life and our hope on Jesus, with him as our anchor, as him as our ultimate hope. Because if we put our hope in something or some circumstance or some outcome or some situation and it doesn't happen again, it'll suck us right down the drain. Our hearts end up feeling sick because our hopes have been deferred. And I just got to tell you, I had to confront this very thing in myself this week. Um, because I, I, I was feeling so scattered. And here, you're right, here comes Advent. Hope's the first theme. <laughs> All right, Jesus, I don't feel like I have a lot of hope. What are we going to do with this, right? All I can see are the places that I'm failing or not doing well or where, you know, sometimes you guys see us as a staff and as leaders, we head in a direction like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Whoa, COVID, right? We got to go back this way instead. Um, sometimes we're working on stuff and then it goes, ah, that's not going to work. And it's just deflating and that's okay. Like, it's just how life is right now. But I noticed because my heart had become so heavy and sick that I've been putting my hopes in outcomes. Listen, I want our church to grow. I want more people to come find Jesus. I want our times of worship to be even more spirit-filled and and anointed. And and I want to see people experiencing God in this room and and in small groups. I want to see us reaching out and loving and serving outside of our walls. I want to see more people come into Jesus. I want to see all those things happen, but they cannot, even me as a pastor, that can't be my ultimate hope. My ultimate hope has to be in Jesus and not missing what he's doing, even in the smallness. Because if I get my ultimate hopes staked to those things, that's exactly what's been happening. And I've just been going, suck down the toilet on that stuff. And it's very hard to fight my way back out of that. And the only thing that I've been able to do that helps is to stop, slow down, fix my eyes on Jesus. In fact, I hear him saying to us as a community, eyes on me. I hear him saying to us as a people, guys, in all the chaos, Eyes on me. Fix your hope on Jesus. He is the ultimate hope. Worship team, will you come?
want to wrap up with this um, liturgical prayer of Advent because this stuff is all newer to me. Uh, sometimes it's very fascinating. Some people are like, oh, that stuff's all dry. Uh, sometimes it just is very life-giving. And I, 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 There's a simple prayer. It's the liturgical prayer of Advent. It's three lines. It's on the screen here. Christ has come. Christ is coming. Christ will come again. Well, let's just look at the three lines, right? Christ has come. That's looking back in gratitude at the Christmas story where Jesus came. That's Advent. That's our celebration. The second line, Christ is coming, is actually pointing us to the present where he is coming in this moment, right here, right now, for you, for me, where we need him. And then Christ will come again, which typically, and it still fits, but in the past I've always looked at Christ will come again. I'm looking forward to his second coming, and I am. It's wonderful. I'm so glad that Jesus is coming again someday. But, but Dave Johnson, my mentor who many of you know, and he'll hopefully be here in the next couple months to uh, join us and preach a few times. But um, Dave asked this about the Christ will come again. He says, what if we look at that a little differently, that Christ will come again and again and again and again? <laughs> He comes over and over, he rescues, he restores, he renews again and again and again. Friends, that is our hope. You are never abandoned in your story. God never abandons you in your story. He will come no matter what you're facing. He comes again and again. His mercies are new every morning. He is faithful. You are never alone no matter what you face. He is coming again and again and again. Can we slow down and notice where he might be doing the small thing? Even while we dare to hope for the big things, let's not miss what looks small because it could be very significant for us in this Christmas season. I just want to speak something that I think might be true for somebody here today. Um, or listening on the podcasts. Um, when I say Christ will come again and again and you're never abandoned, I know that the enemy jumps up right away with some folks and throws a lie in there. And the lie sounds something like this. The enemy tempts you to believe that, that this Jesus thing doesn't work for you. You keep blowing it and failing and falling over and over and over. You're too far gone this time. There's no hope for you. Maybe everybody else has hope, but <laughs> no hope for you. But I just felt specifically like I needed to say, listen, Friends, the truth is, if you ever hear that lie from the enemy, the truth is you never fall too far for God to save you. <laughs> you never get so deep in darkness that he can't rescue you. You never fall so fast that he can't catch you. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that's a dark place, brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, through whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you're never too far gone, friends. That's the hope that Jesus offers to every single one of us. Rescue, redemption, forgiveness, restoration. It's why he came and he invites you and I to put our hopes in him so that we can get our hopes up. I'm gonna ask you to stand we're going to read that Advent prayer together and then sing a song together. You guys got a little bonus, a uh, little bonus time, second service. So hopefully that was better than the first service. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> mm, thank you, sister. Friends, will you pray this Advent prayer with me out loud? Ready together? Christ has come, Christ is coming. 
Christ will come again. Let's read it again. Christ has come. Christ is coming. Christ will come again. Friends, no matter your storm, no matter your trial, Christ comes again and again and again and again. He comes to meet you with forgiveness, with healing, with forgiveness and hope and restoration and redemptions. Friends, this is the hope of Jesus and that we can be sure. And friends, because of who he is, we can dare to do what we're about to sing to get our hopes up.